Larry Enticer, you're listening to the Snowmobile and Podcast. Just send it. Are you ready for it? Welcome back to the Snowbling Podcast. This is your host, Gord Van, and uh, we're doing, uh, again, something different here. Today, we're going to have a roundtable, and um, we have uh, Hal Armstrong from Snowtech Magazine, and our very special guest host today is Ian Hayden, uh, eight-time, <laughs> eight-time, eight-time Canadian uh, uh, snowcross champion, um, ra- raced for uh, Blair Morgan, Factory Yamaha, OTSFF uh, racing team, uh, Rockstar Players. Um, uh, again, our Articat, and he won a title, the Canadian Championship, on each one of those brands. So he's, uh, as far as I know, Ian's the only guy that has done this. Uh, uh, you know, uh, won a championship on uh, each brand. So um, um, that includes, uh, you know, Blair Morgan and Factory Yamaha. So uh, t- and uh, and the Rockstar Players team. Now, Ian, those are those are pretty high-profile teams. Um, to talk to us about uh, about your uh, your history. Um, with uh, with those teams, yeah, it was uh, you know looking back at it, man, time flew. <laughs> it all went by so so quickly for us, and um, I had a ton of fun with it. And obviously, it's kind of molded who I am as a person and uh, the career path I've chosen and what I'm doing today, and that my wife and, and all my friends are from it. So it's been great, and yeah, I've been just so fortunate to you know to be mentored by guys like Blair and, and Rachel and be teammates over the same trailer for for multiple years, and still be friends with guys like that today is. Is really cool and rewarding, and I sometimes forget how neat that is. Um, yeah, it's been great, you know, to meet these people at Yamaha and do with the higher ups in Japan, and, and be kind of one of the few guys part of the development of that snowmobile, and, and still my relationship is strong as ever with Yamaha. So that's really rewarding in that sense too. So yeah, I've been really, really blessed to be part of it, and uh, still doing it today. So it's good. Yeah. So uh, you haven't you haven't really officially like I didn't see it, but uh, you never did officially retire. You, because you're, because you're, you're in Duluth this weekend, and you're actually racing uh, uh, this weekend in the in the Masters class. Uh, talk to us about uh, about that uh, that program. Yeah, hey, you're right. I, I never really officially retired. I guess I somewhat retired from. We'll call it the Pro Open Professional, chasing that that national title dream um, a couple of years ago. But yeah, I took you to a few events to the sport, and last year I did a couple events in the Pro Plus Thirty with the support of my longtime sponsors with Rockstar Players and OTS and did a couple events last year and uh, yeah I'm looking to do a couple events again this year probably well Duluth this weekend we're here now and then uh, yeah I'll be heading to uh, I'm looking at Shackley right now in the new year try to get a few under my belt before we get to uh, get into some other races later on this winter yeah Shackley's a nice event Hal you got questions for uh, mm-hmm. for Ian yeah uh, thanks Gord uh, Ian just one of the things that uh, um just looking at your history here, that uh, that stint that you got to do with Yamaha, and that was with their uh, four-stroke development. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. So you were teamed up with uh, Robbie Malinowski. Was that was that the year with the Nitro? Right. So actually, Robbie started the same year before I did. Um, so he was into that and did it with um, himself and Corey Davis, and then I went Corey Davis, Steve Taylor, and then went Steve Taylor, Ian Hayden, and then Ian Hayden finished out. So it was a three or four-year run. Uh, Robbie started with them and I finished with them. So yeah, he did a good job with it, and obviously, and then uh, Steve did a good job, and I was fortunate enough to kind of 
add to that for two years as well. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually work the same year. I raced against Robbie. He was on a scooter at that point when I was riding a Yamaha, and I, ironically, I have a picture of both of us on the podium. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was good, and we're still good friends. But, yeah, we weren't actually teammates. Yeah, nice. Okay, that's, uh, that's great. So, um, so you, you, when you first started uh, racing, were you with, uh, with you, were you with Blair Morgan team uh, when you came uh, out of uh, your your hometown of Espanola? No, it's uh, funny story. I actually rode motocross. I grew up riding snowmobiles. So I'll backtrack a little bit. I, that was a family sport for us, but the racing part of it just wasn't in our cards. But I got into motocross and had some immediate success with that, so to speak, in our little series and deal up in Ontario and Canada and uh, turned pro quite quickly and, and had some fun with that. Got some involvement from a local dealership along the way and he, he knew of my snowmobile history and being from a small town so said, hey, we should try the snowcraft thing so we went ahead and use an Articat dealer. So he ordered me a, uh, a new snow pro from Articat and I went and did my own deal as a uh, pro light now. It was called semi-pro then. So I did that out of my own uh, for the CSRA and, and, and we raced. I raced everything. I raced, <laughs> we raced semi-pro for four 600 semi-pro open and I jumped into the pro 600 class so I was racing four classes on one flight to say that that sled took a bit of a beating but shortly after that I uh, that summer finished up well and had a lot of fun with it I didn't really know what was going to happen maybe he could stay with the dealer and I got a call from Andre Lauren whether it's against FF Motorsports which was in its infancy at that point he kind of was just looking to get going with it and I didn't know him from a hole in the ground he was new to the sport uh, he didn't know me, but had, had kind of guess got tipped off, or someone had something good to say about my riding ability. So anyway, we met twice and said, "Sure, let's go do this." He bought this, and things uh, escalated quite quickly. <laughs> and yeah. here we are, 17 years later, laughing and talking about it, and still doing it. And uh, he's built quite the empire with the whole racing thing, and I've uh, kind of done my own little thing as well. So it's been good. It's been a lot of fun, and we're still great, great, you know, business relationship and friends. So. Nice. Your uh, your first uh, X Games uh, uh, qualifier when you made it. What, how long ago was that? Oh, the dreaded X Games qualifying. I was just talking about that today. Man, oh man, I can remember Wayne Leg and I chasing this thing. So I went to Sweden in 2005, and it was an X Games qualifier over there. And Mike Island, and Mike Andola were the two other North American guys that came. And there's a bunch of Euros, and we were racing. I had the darn race one. I wanted my ticket to X Games so bad, and lo and behold, I had an electrical failure, a lap and a half to go, and gave the wind to Island. <laughs> you know, frustrated me to Island. And then the next year, Wayne and I went and uh, won our qual- And that's when you had to like qualify to qualify to qualify. We started in the morning because we were nobodies, right? So, um, it was interesting how many people were trying to get into it. Finally made it to the night show, which made it to the qualifying, got into the two finals. And then from the two finals, they took the top five from each one, if I remember correctly. And man, we had great starts all day, all night, got to the final. I forget what happened. Anyway, I came from last and got to sit and missed it by one. <laughs> uh, we couldn't believe it. So finally got it in 2007 when I raced with Blair. And then he went, uh, I think I went nine years consecutively. I didn't miss a year. So it was cool. What's what sled were you on then? Were you on the you were on the Skidoo then, right? That's right. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So the first year there was with Blair Morgan racing on a Skidoo. And how many X, how many That's X cool. games how many X games did you end up doing? I've done nine or ten of them. Can't yeah. remember. Well, um, yeah. So it's been there, been there a lot. And had a lot of fun with it. Been there on everything except a, an Articat, I think. So yeah, rode the Yamaha there, rode the Skidoo's there, and rode the Polaris's there. So. Yeah. It's fine. And then at the last couple of years, I even got to ride some of Bender's stuff out of the Judd trailer with Ross Martin. 
that was really fun. You know, it was, the tracks maybe weren't near as cool. Even uh, when I started going there in 07, it was larger than life. They were like video game style tracks. It was something you dream of. And, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, the sport just at X Games anyway, where the tracks really started to suck and went downhill. But regardless, I still had fun. And, you know, it's a made-for-TV event. But, man, it was in its glory days. I, I'm so fortunate to have caught some of that because it was just phenomenal tracks. And, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. It was really cool. Yeah, in the early 2000s, uh, the X Games was uh, was the event for the riders to go to and the OEMs. They all wanted to be there. Yeah. They wanted, they, they wanted uh, you know, special invites. And they, I mean, anything, anything to get into the X Games. And uh, now, I mean, this is this is going to be uh, uh, the, the first year that uh, there's going to be no, no snowmobile snowcross. So, uh uh, how things yeah. how things have changed? Yeah, exactly. I think in that nine year nine ten year stretch, I went there was a one year hiatus. They tried it and they brought it back. And uh, anyway, yeah, it sounds like it's not happening there at all this year. It's just snow bike stuff and yeah. style, and you know, things. Uh, I guess all good things come to an end. It's a bit of a bummer for the snowcross fans and the racers and team, or, you know, owners, managers, and mechanics, but. Hey, it's been a good run, and then we'll just embrace and enjoy what we had. And I'm sure there's some other bright things coming down the pipeline, anyway, for the sport. Now, do you think the uh, the uh, teams are going to miss it? I mean, we kept on hearing how uh, it was such an expensive uh, race to go to. There was a break, uh, a long break before you went to X Games. Uh, uh, do, you th- do you think there's still a place for an X Games type event, uh, or uh, get another uh, national and uh, a high profile national? Where do you think? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, having the ESPN tied to it is, is pretty, for the snowmobile world, that's a, that's pretty big. That's mainstream, right? That's as mainstream as it gets. So that's pretty neat to be a, have ESPN and, and that whole X-Game stream sports and have that part of it. I know one team that's going to miss it for sure, that 68 Monster Energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, he's had a heck of a run there, so I know he'll miss the event for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah you know what? I think it's going to be a mixed emotion. So I spoke to some team owners and it's, dreaded going there like you mentioned gorgeous with the expense it was just out of this world and Ashton's not exactly notoriously cheap if you will to be and stay and be there for a week and you know when we were getting squeezed out and uh, less trailers and less practice and less risk time and uh, you know then I just went to heat snow LCQs and it was you know it just progressively got squeezed out and that's just how it goes but uh, I think overall the consensus is that it was time for a change anyway it's a bummer I think what it offered was great for the sport of snowmobiling but it needs a change it was getting pretty stagnant there I'll never condemn Tucker for being so dominant, man. They do their homework, but I think it was getting born to the fans. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So it's good for a change. Hell, you got any more questions? So uh, fast forward to uh, to today, uh, and you're uh, you're going to be racing this weekend. Uh, uh, what team are you going to be riding with? And uh, tell us a little bit about your prep. I, I I know I bumped into you at Toronto Snow Show. You look like you're in great shape. Uh, um, how did your practicing go uh, today? Yeah, it was good. Really nice. It's, it's kind of entertaining. I was joking with Wayne and Dylan earlier. <laughs> you know, we used to come and spend weeks here and beat our head up the handlebars and just in tune and lap after lap. And now I'm showing up on Wednesday afternoon and burning some laps. And actually, I burned some more laps than I should. I wanted the mechanic to put too much gas in there, so I rode more than I needed to. But uh, all jokes aside, it was fun, man. We had a lot of fun. It's pretty cool to see the jump. I think it's having so much seat time under my my belt through the last however many years it's neat to be able just to pick up where you left off it's almost like walking and a couple laps and you're back in the game really and the level that I need to ride at and it's still you know those guys haul on that master's class but it's not the pro open class so I can get away with you know sh- showing up on Wednesday so yeah I'll be riding my Russell Derkler's OTS but um, 
got Wayne helping me all weekend working on stuff. He brought it out for me and in the hall hall racing trailer is accommodating me. So good good friends and good people and no one's gonna be racing the pro class this year. He's doing his country corners Royal Articat program and yeah, so it's kinda of fun just to hang out with them for the weekend. Unfortunately for me they were able to bring my equipment out so I could just come up from Florida. But yeah, yeah, I especially if I invite several times it's not the end of the world to get on a sled and ride for a few laps. Those those races are quite a bit shorter than the pro open stuff, so we can manage. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna get into more of the uh, but uh, you also have an, 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 another new program this year. Um, you're going to be racing Kane's Quest. Tell, talk to us about about that and uh, what uh, what possessed you to uh, to try that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still wondering that today. Why I keep hearing horror stories about it. I ask myself why. I, <laughs> why do we sign up for this again, Butler? <laughs> but uh, all joking aside, we I had call last year. I could go to Labrador to do a snowmobile demo for the town of Labrador, and a lovely family had me out. Anyway, we went out with our brother with me and another friend of mine, and we flew out. Went snowmobiling, and I forget one of the dinners or whatever, they brought the promoter, Glenn, from Kane's Quest out, and, uh, of course, enticing me and Butler. And he, he, actually, I'll give it to Lee a bit. He's been saying the last couple of years when he's going to see the present, I just kind of brushed him off and really pay attention to him. But uh, anyway, we went there, and they did this whole studio with presentation, and, you know, thank you for coming, blah, blah, blah. I gave a shirt, and... And we started talking, adventure thing, and anyway, we left there. Kind of, they told us two things. Probably, I don't know if it's kind of work for us or against, but they told us that our first timers have never won the event, and number two, you can't win on Yamaha. So it was kind of like <laughs> Butler and I still being young and competitive. It was, like, it was kind of a challenge, accepted more or less. I went home, and Butler and I had talked about it on the flight home. Went, and I flipped to Yamaha. I figured, hey, if I can Yamaha rock on board and Andre, then let's go do it. It'll be fun. So. That's what happened. I called the Yamaha, and they were all about it. My relationship with them is super strong with, with the Myrtle Park stuff now, and uh, I've been doing some of the snowmobile ambassador stuff. I got my trail club the Yamaha, and I actually really enjoy riding it. So it's cool. So, yeah, they, they were on board, and that's how it all came together. So we uh, are kind of putting all the pieces together and just establishing Andre's into this truck racing thing. So I'm not sure he's going to be able to actually make the event, but I think Wayne and uh, Mark Freeze actually uh, is going to come out and, and kind of run the support crew for us and Butler and I are going to try, <laughs> try to tackle this 3100 kilometer event and, and see where we end up hopefully win I think we can I, I think we're, we're going to we got ability and we got endurance and we got age on our side that's fine I think yeah. what we're missing is experience and uh, with the local terrain if you will and kind of navigating it we don't know it inside now but I think we make smart decisions a long race and yeah. we just consistently pick away at it I don't know. We'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be a change-up for sure. Yeah. 3,100 kilometers. If you, if, you, if, you, if you latch on, if you latch on to some of those locals, these guys that uh, kind of take off at the beginning and just kind of latch on to them, I think that's the key because uh, uh, the, the key to that race is knowledge of the terrain. And um, a, yeah. lot, a lot of guys come in there and they don't know the terrain and they, uh, and they do stupid things and get stuck and you know, wreck their sleds and stuff like that. So I, I think the smartest move is, uh, you know, use your racing experience and just latch on to... Uh, uh, a couple of these teams and then uh, follow them and then uh, and then uh, drop the hammer in the last couple of days and see, see what you can do. I mean, uh, that's uh, right. That's what Father said. He's like, I got no shame in following these guys and staying a second until the last couple hundred miles and we'll hammer down. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. I like that plan. Sounds good. <laughs> so who's, uh, who's, who's prepping the sleds? So I got Wayne prepping them. Uh, I got my dad involved prepping them. Yamaha. So between the three of them, um, Wayne's ingenuity, my dad's experience, creativity, and Yamaha's knowledge of the product. And uh, yeah, so between those three guys, those, that crew, we're gonna have them all prepped out. 
I don't know right, wrong, or different, but that's who's doing them. And I think we got some new ideas. I was fortunate to talk to a bunch of the guys over the course of the summer and when I was there and saw their equipment. And they got some cool ideas, but I think there's some new things like Wayne's already been talking about that we can bring to it that they aren't doing and just to, you know, help help with the whole event. So yeah. I'm anxious to get through year one and see. And it's an every other year event too, right? So yeah. we got two years to prep for it if we decide to torture ourselves again in two years from now. So yeah. Uh, well, I'm we'll intrigued. I'm, intri- I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, def- I'm definitely going to keep an eye on you. Like, you know, on the on, cool. on, yeah. online. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, a few people do. Yeah. Hal. Well, I'm just thinking about that race and uh, what 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 sled what Yamaha are you going to run? So we're going to run the Sidewinder. We flip flopped on track length and everything else and BTXs and I mean the motor is speaks for itself. Yamaha reliability speaks for itself. Um, that amalgamation with Articat and Yamaha is, is cool in the sense of some of the chassis stuff that Articat had is really good. And I think it's kind of the best of both worlds if we can go through with a fine tooth comb. Um, yeah, the Sidewinder is going to be good. It's, it's got the reliability. You can find the clutching. We've got whatever option we want for length. I think we settled on a 146 is what we're going to run with a 225 track. And uh, Fox is doing the suspension for us. And Wayne's got some you know, other things he's working on and some front end stuff. And just durability, right? We don't want to have a, a ball joint fail us or whatever or something. So we're going to try to pull some of that race stuff that we have access to and, and, and put it onto the trail thing. But yeah, we'll end up on a 146 Sidewinder to do it on Father and I. Yeah. Okay, so have you given any thought, I mean, uh, to doing any other train racing prior to that? Like, um, I don't know if Yamaha would even have a sled that would be uh, race legal to run, like, say, the uh, the Winnipeg uh, to White Bear Lake, the I-500. Uh, is that something you even contemplated doing just to kind of, you know, get, get into the swing of things and doing, like, a three-day high-speed cross-country run? We thought about it for sure. Um, and a little bit of research we've done just – you know, the iron uh, dog is close to it, but even it, it's still a little bit more on-trail stuff than the Kane's Quest. Like, Kane's Quest, you're not even allowed to ride in the ditches, <laughs> you know what I mean, or a rail bed, so to speak. You're really, like, just navigating the whole time, whether you're on CIs or fjords or pole lines or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, we thought about it. And then we also said, kind of what you were thinking is, is, you know, it's almost a different type of sled prep for us. Do we, I don't really have the time for it, to be honest with you. It's with mm-hmm. Florida and a little bit of racing and everything else I'm doing with Yamaha and trying to tie all that into stuff. So what we're going to do is, I'm from Northern Ontario, and um, so we, we're going to plot a couple roads, a couple friends of ours that just know they're loggers from up there, so they know every back way and they're going to plot some stuff on a GPS fork that we don't know and we're going to go Father and I are going to do these night runs from separate attendants and just you know dump fuel places and stuff and have it just to get that navigation in the middle of the night train that we haven't been through even though it's, it's not quite the same it still can be and use, use our best decisions on that so that's kind of I think what we're going to do for prep for now anyway okay mm-hmm. sounds good nice. okay um, okay so let's uh, go to the current uh, era um what do you think, Ian? Uh, new rules uh, uh, this year for uh, for uh, ISR rules for the the open class. Um, I'm, I'm I'm curious to how you feel about them. I mean, you benefited a lot from very high exotic development from uh, the the race teams you're with, uh, the Blair Morgan Factory Yamaha, um, the Rockstar Players, um, and then uh, and then we're kind of flipped it around now and now everybody is on stock sleds uh limited build stock yeah. sleds um what's your opinion what, what do you how do you how do you feel about it i like it um i was fortunate i think i'm being selfish when i say that though because i was fortunate enough to be that kid on the sidelines watching the pro open sleds 
and riding in soccer. And then I got to the pro open class, had the exotic stuff as you had mentioned, every one of them, probably some of the most exotic stuff. I've, I've, I've actually ridden some of the best sleds in the world, whether it be stuff that Twain built or Yamaha's built or Bender's built or Stewart or, you know, GS built or whatever it was. Like I had a lot of uh, different guys working on things and, um, it was good. I was, I was lucky. So I think <laughs> I'm being a little selfish when I say I like the answer because I was able to exhaust that and, and get that, and get that reward. But now I truly believe for the sport, this is a better direction. I mean, um, looking at the snowmobiles today, the Arctic Cat that's going to use the Polaris is hands down the best bunch of snowmobiles the manufacturers has, have produced as, as production soccer snowmobiles because they had to. And uh, they don't have that, you know, just kind of a carte blanche to build whatever they want. So I think it's good. I really do. I think it's going to be an equalizer. I think it's going to give the guys that maybe didn't have the uh, really exotic equipment at their fingertips to be a little bit more competitive with a really good rider. The cream of the crop is still going to come to the top. I mean, the best riders are still going to win. That's just how it's going to be. But I think it's going to give the guys that have talent to ride with the best guys yep. who didn't have the equipment per se. Now it's going to give them a real shot to get in there and, and mix it up with them. So I think it's... So, uh, there, there, there's a number of very good private teams. I mean, uh, Huber's one, uh, the Stud Boy team, um, 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 the In- Ingalls team that, that, that you raced with up in uh, North America here. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think, um, and, and if, you, if you know a name, uh, one of the racers, who do you think could step it up and get into, say, like the top five in the new pro class with these equalized sleds now? Like, is, is, is there... Is, is there a chance that these guys can get up there now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not all snowmobile. That's for sure. I mean, there's still talent. Just say Cody Cameron, Tucker Hibbert, or Logan Christian, whoever doesn't have... It's all snowmobile is unfair, I think. And then not that you're saying that, but I think, you know, there are some guys... I'll take Dylan Hall, for an example, because I'm with him. I believe in him because I help him a bit. And, yeah, I think that Dylan, given a good start, will have an opportunity now to mix it up up front a little bit more with some of the guys and, and, and learn from them, you know, because they might do some things a little bit different or a little bit quicker or whatever. But that's the pace they're used to because they're always up front at the ISOC event. Where now this gives, you know, Dylan a really offer, good opportunity with not, you know, it's not like Wayne's going to spend weeks at Jaws and they blow and steal from here, there, and everywhere to be build a competitive mod. It's, it's, it's something, they took something out of a, a crate and, and they're very limited with what they can do. So another guy, Dave Jonas, I think this is, Dave's been competitive because he's been on some of the best teams in the U.S. And, and now he's coming back with a Canadian team that he's got just as good a shot as anyone um, to go out and get a good start and, and ride and do well. So I think those guys will do well. Um, you're going to need to get a start. That's the name of this game in this day for sure. But, uh, yeah, those two kind of stand out in my mind. And there's a lot of up-and-coming pro-like guys that really are, like, wild card. You know, you, <laughs> you don't know. Like, Jake Ango, he's got a ton of time on that soccer He's on one of the best teams, arguably. So he, he knows that but inside out. Maybe he gets a start, goes, and, and runs away with it. Maybe not. I don't know. That, that's where the wild card thing comes in with the rookie. But these guys have got some experience. I think it's a, it's a little bit more of an opportunity for them you know, to not have the money gun, per se, sprayed all over the place and still be really, really competitive. So I'm excited to see that. Hopefully uh, the Canadian guys do us proud and make it happen. Yeah. Al? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I kind of uh, I like kind of like where you're coming from there, Ian, with the uh, 
with the um, with the stalkers and, and getting the start is going to be so much is going to be on clutching and uh, and hooking up off the line. But yeah, any I think any of the CSRA guys, the uh, top guys, uh, can ride with any of the Americans or the Europeans. Uh, for sure, one of the you know some of the teams we've been talking about, they've said it's you know it's taken away some of the development work at least with the pro opens. If they could have played more with the suspensions, left the motors stock, it might have advanced the sport a bit more. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on there. Do you think at the end of the day it's going to really reduce the cost, or is the biggest cost uh, just running the team and getting to the races and and all the uh, all the um, you know accommodations and everything? For a pro light team, your cost really isn't changed because you've been limited, right? The guys that are really saving the money um, are the manufacturers. They have those teams like a, a Hench's team or a Judnick's team or their, you know, or Tucker's team or, or whatever. You know, so those we'll take those 10 or 12 teams that, that have been in the pro open class and, and then the privateer guy that just really, quite frankly, couldn't compete. And if there was one or two guys that could, that would be it. So I think that for the pro-like guys, no. I mean, it's still a massive expense to run that transporter, pay the mechanics, and, and uh, put fuel to that sled in hotels and meals. That's just a, a completely different deal. But as far as the sport of the whole, the pro-open bus, really there was no ingestion of new up-and-coming riders. So now I hear that there's all these guys that have turned pro. Why? Because they feel like they have a snowmobile that can be competitive right away. They're not going against, uh, you know, Tucker or Bender's snowmobiles, which are kind of in the benchmark in the EI sock anyway. I think it's good. I, I really do. I know there's a mixed emotions on it. Uh, overall, from a business standpoint, and it was the right move. I know Andre was a big proponent and pushed for it a couple of years ago, and I, I kind of like how the massage did. I think, honestly, two races in, yeah, it will always speak about how cool those mod sleds were, but it's not a ton different than when we switched from 800 to 600. You said, man, those 800 used to be great. And you know what? They made the 600 so darn good. Um, that they we almost forgot about the 800, and, and, and that's going to happen here again. I, I kind of caught whisperings of <laughs> Cody Cam's sled yesterday on the track, and I heard it sounds just like his mod did anyway. So those guys are creative, and, and there's some brilliant guys out there, and there's going to be some phenomenal equipment regardless. But overall, as a whole, whether it changes anything or not, it's going to be a lot more enticing for the average person to go and line up, whether it be Canada or uh, the ISOC. It, it's good. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, uh, Ian. Uh, how, how about you? Uh, you? You've seen the you've seen the uh, sleds today. C- can you break them down yeah. a little bit? What uh, What do you like? Uh, what uh, What sleds look good to you today? I mean, the uh, the Skidoo is all all new, new motor, new chassis. Yeah. Um, the players yeah. the players and the cat are kind of revised, but um, yep. You know, you've seen you've seen them go today. What? Who looks good? Man, they all look good. Honestly, they've done such a good job. I remember saying that um, they really did. I, I think, uh, I don't know why, it's tough to say. I mean, the Skidoo is all new, so there's going to be some bugs along the way, but uh, Skidoo runs in the Yamaha. They're like, fit and finish is, is really, really good, and they're known for that. So I think they're not going to release anything until it's good. I hear the motor's strong. I watched this go today. They sounded really, really good. Um, Dylan loves the cat from last year and likes this one even more. Spent kind of attention to detail on some of the stuff and how they did it. They really put a solid effort in building the sled with smaller bolts where they could get away with it. You know, that little headlight for weight, the lighter plastic, uh, the sled work, they really, really worked. They, I think they lengthened the spindles. Flares, too, some stuff I didn't even know was happening. I forgot about it. Some spindle changes. And, you know, they probably have the, Polaris has the least amount of changes from as all of them, but I mean, they had such a good sled to start with. Um, yeah, so you know what? I don't know which one's going to be the best. I think it's going to come back to what Hal said about just clutching and 
jetting for two of the three, well, one of the three, actually, because other than Skidoo, I'll come in a minute. Other than Skidoo and, uh, you know, our guy, I guess players are the only one with straight carburetor still. So. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, it'll, uh, I think they're all good, man. I really, really do. I, I, I love players uh, for many reasons, but I really think that cat's going to do well. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll find out this weekend. <laughs> really? Oh, we talked. To, we talked to Tim Bender this week, and uh, he's uh, he's really good with the uh, uh, with the idea of having carburetors still. So he's uh, he's uh, he's a master at that. So I think uh, uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna miss nothing uh, having having carbs instead of uh, fuel injection. So uh, no, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. I think it's uh, there's lots to be learned with that, that that fuel injection stuff. So I think it's very much in its infancy and. Tim knows those carburetors inside out and backwards, so you know that Cody and, and Arsas and, and the players' crews, those flights are going to be running on top notch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Tim Tim wasn't overly impressed with uh, the new rules. He 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 liked uh, he would have liked them seen a little bit more. Um, made the sleds look a little bit more open-ish kind of thing with the, maybe the headlights out or something like that. But uh, if I thought if there ever was a guy that could benefit from a stock race sled, it's Tim Bender because uh, I, I raced with him in the 80s and Ken, and that guy could make a stock sled go like no other. Um, so I think yeah. I think I think this new rule is going to benefit uh, uh, the Bender team for sure. I mean because uh, like I say, Tim knows how to do it, and uh, if Cody yeah. if Cody's healthy. I think uh, I think uh, the Hentges team is is going to do really well uh, with uh, with Tim Mender there. I think uh, they got they got to keep an eye on that. So, um, Hal, you got uh, some? I'm um, just looking at this coming uh, season. There's been some of the a couple of the big teams have uh, have dropped out, and I'm just wondering uh, what you're thinking about the interest in the sport. Is uh, you know we we're talking X Games earlier with um, them being squeezed out. The do you think the fan base is still there? Do you think there's still the excitement? Uh, um, Duluth is always, you know, a big race for excitement. But do, do, do you think it's the sport is still as strong as it was, or is it uh, is there something else there that we got to look at now? It's such a tough question. I don't know. I mean, the pressure, right? because we're all snowmobile enthusiasts, so you really want to see the best for it. And then you look at the true numbers. So the Yamaha dealer meeting annual one not too long ago, and we're looking at the true numbers. And the sport really just has plateaued as a whole recreationally. Um, the racing numbers, I mean, you, you have to sit and really look at the numbers. It's so easy to say back in the glory days. And back in the glory days, it was that. And, you know, when I went to school, we walked uphill both ways. <laughs> All that stuff's great. And it really, you know, but it's, it's, it's tough to... It's tough to say. I mean, you see teams leave, but then you see teams come. Like, I saw two new transporters today. I'm like, who are these guys? And then, you know, they've since bought the semis from some of the teams that went away. And I think it's going to have highs and lows. Do I think the growth is, is there? No. But I don't know how much it's falling off. I mean, I really hope that, you know, as much as these guys are maybe pulling out and carrying on with their lives, I hope there's some new people that can do what they've done and, and, and maybe fill that void, I guess. So... You know, so to answer your question, I don't really know. I, I don't see clothes in it. I don't see it where, oh, we left them last year. We had 12 clothes, and this year we got 20, you know. And if this year will be a telltale at the pro class, we'll see the change with the, you know, with the new interest, with this new sense of a, a little bit more quality in terms of equipment. I, we'll see. We'll see. But overall, I, I don't know. I mean, 
to only sit there and blame everyone for the cost of things, but it's the flip side, it's consumer demand too. It's not constantly evolving equipment. You're not going to sell them, and then <laughs> gets to a point. Well, yeah, they're so expensive. How going to sell them too? So what do you want? You want us to evolve? So all those to keep developing these state-of-the-art pieces of equipment that are twenty thousand dollars piece, but now you can't afford it. So it's a double-edged sword, really. I guess one one of the benefits of the new rule is uh, now uh, these race teams at the end of the year, they don't have to do nothing. They can just sell that sled, you know, throw it up on the newspaper classifieds, and uh, you know now you're selling a stock sled now instead of a a, a mod sled that you know cost forty, fifty grand, you know, that to d- develop. You know now it's uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna be able to sell that sled for a trail sled to somebody now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's not cut up. It's not. You can't do it. So, yeah, it's a lot more, um, it's cool. Go to Camp Stoneville and really go race it, you know, and, and, and you know he's going to go fast on it. So that's kind of neat. And we're before, it's like, good luck. And uh, I was in our factory Flores guy, and I could barely get my butt on one of those things, but a couple times a year. So now it's realistic to think that he can, you know, someone can buy that side. So in that sense, it's really exciting, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, you, you broke down the sleds, uh, what you like. What's your opinion? Who do you think is going to shine this year for riders? Um, I, I mean, there, there was a couple good riders on in the pro light and uh, uh, Ar- Argrove and uh, um, Nostala and, and, and these guys. That, I guess they're coming up to the pro class. And then, uh, I mean, there's guys like uh, Elias Ishuel, you know, the, the wild child. I mean, that, that guy has pure speed. And if he can just stay on it, what? who do you like? Who, who do you think is going to do well this year? Well, you can't can't play against Tucker. I mean, that'd be just crazy to do that. And I like him because he's the old guy. He's a year younger than me, so I'm partial to that. Um, so you can't bet against him. Uh, Cody Cam is going to be fast. I know what he's been doing in the off season. I know where he's been training, and uh, I don't know every day's routine or whatever. But he's been doing his work more than he's ever done, apparently. So, and I heard nothing but good things about when he went out in the practice track a few times the past week. So I think he's going to be really fast. Logan Christian's changed up his program a bit. You know, and those are regulars. So those are regulars. Jake Angle is new to the class. I really hope that kid breaks out because I like him. I think he's a brilliant kid. I think he's got a lot of talent. And I really hope he just gets comfortable with his new pace and he's familiar with the sled. So, and, uh, you know, and it, it, was, it was Stephen Dillon. He, he, him and Jay are now the veterans in the CSRA Pro class, if you will. They're the old guys now. There's no one in there older than him. So, so it was cool to see that. And there's a bunch of up-and-coming guys from the Bailey team and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see the best guys at the top. But you're going to see these young guys learn and learn quickly from them, too, because they're going to be them guys, too. So, I don't know. I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Tucker win some just purely on the age thing. He's the old guy. That's um, cool. Can't, Cody's a player's guy. I'd love to see him win. And I like Logan and him, and I just got a personal relationship, which is fun. So I want to see him do well. And Jake Angle, I got to know riding with us. So I hope he does well, too. Yeah. Good. I think it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, there's going to be guys that uh, you look at the program. You're going to have to look at their race number to see who they are. And here, the, these guys are going to mm-hmm. these guys are going to live the dream now. They're going to be lining up beside uh, beside Tucker now uh, in a qualifier and maybe the final. Uh, you know, the that's the, that's what this real, new rule is going to do. Is now you're going to be able to line up with a, a fairly equal sled um, and um, and line up beside uh, you know these uh, these big guys. Uh, uh, that uh, before they didn't have the, uh, the equipment and the money to do so, but uh, um, Hal, you got uh, another question? 
Well, I'm just going back to when we were talking with uh, Tim Bender last week, and, and, and something that stuck out in my mind was Tim was saying that, you know, before it was uh, from the start, it was a, uh, a race of feet into that first corner, and now it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, you know, a game of inches going into that first corner. So, um, you know, if everybody on the same equipment, um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of banging and crashing, I would think, going into that first corner. So, how would you, as a racer, Ian, if you were running pro this year, how would you prepare for that, knowing, um, you know, that everybody's going to be fine into that corner, probably pretty close to each other, as opposed to with the open sled. Yeah, you had yeah. you had that you had that advantage, and uh, you could probably look beside you, uh, you know, when you're on your Rockstar Polaris and say, uh, the next guy, I I I got you, kind of thing. But uh, they can't yeah. they can't do that now. No, well, you can and you can't. It's so funny. Racers are mental, right? <laughs> it's uh, you know, we can have a great mechanic and. and all of a sudden instill this sort of mental confidence in your equipment that whether this fight's any better or not, you believe it is. And that's amazing what that'll do for you. So I think um, you're right. It is down to inches now. And I think you're going to see uh, everything have to be a little bit more precise than ever precise before. If you're sitting forward, you might want to shovel back a half of an inch because that just makes it so it doesn't really or wheels a hair more and get that more traction. And I think just, you know, really kind of dialing in your, 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 your situation on the starting line and where that thing runs and a little bit more pressure on the clutching side of it with your mechanic. And um, I think all your eyes are going to be at the dotted and your keys are going to be crossed and, and on both ends of it, rider and mechanic, rider, you are looking for every millimeter that you can get to, to just get that job in the option time. And of course, they're not backing out a fraction of a second too early. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to go into it. And I think you're just going to have to dot your I's and cross your T's. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be going through the whole thing A to Z and make sure that we're triple checking everything and making it as good as possible. It's mental, though. When you're sitting on the start line, you're looking over, you're like, I got these guys. You can still do that today. You believe in your equipment and you know that you have great equipment and you're not completely oblivious. I mean, everything is so close to why can't you have the fastest number under that corner, right? And um, it's just a matter of hitting that light right and, and, and sitting properly and, and making sure you're transferring your weight properly and making sure you're driving that thing perfectly straight in and you're turning at the right time, you're holding throttle to the right position. And I think all those things come into effect. If you're right, anyone can get that start. So it's going to be a matter of what makes it happen. Sometimes you don't get the best jump, but you push your way through the first turn and come out. And that'll work for you. So that would be my approach. That'd be what I do. And I'd be down my eyes and crossing my teeth and, and then just kind of letting instinct take over with the experience that I've got. So. Okay. Um. Any, any, I, I just got one last question, maybe. Um, have they made any changes to the track this year from last year at Duluth that you've heard about? Yeah, I just saw it. Actually, not too long ago. Let's say we had a downhill start. So we'll see. <laughs> That's going to be a real interesting, a real, real downhill start. So when you look on their social media stuff, they just posted a picture of it. That'll make it interesting. It's really, really interesting. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, downhill start, and I heard it's an all track. I haven't seen the layout yet, but I mean, they only have so much space, and we're still dealing with snow. So I don't know how new it can be, but we'll find out. We got a downhill start to work with, so that'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting in a pro class. So. Yeah, I think they. I think uh, the conditions look good. Anyway, we we're talking to Steve Shearing, and he says uh, uh, it's there, there's tons of snow there, so uh, at least they'll be able to maximize uh, uh, the, what what territory they have at, at at Duluth. They haven't got a whole lot, but at least uh, by sounds of it, uh, um, they've they've got some good conditions this year, and uh, so that'll be good. Now, with mm-hmm. with with the stock sleds, did, you mentioned uh, uh, you know changing your riding style up a little bit. Um, 
what are they? I mean, if, if you're jumping off a mod sled and, the, and then onto these stock sleds, um, are, are these guys going to have to completely like change their riding style a lot? Like for say doing double jumps and uh, and whoops and stuff like that, uh, um, is is it going to be a drastic change for these uh, um, uh, pro open riders to now ride stock sleds? No, no, it won't be. I mean, it'll be a little different, but these things are going to be so dialed in. They still got the best mechanics and the best equipment and clutching and riders were on these things, right? So yeah, and they were still six hundred. So it's just uh, it's not like we're going from eight hundred to four forties. Like we used to. So it's still a 600. It's a single pipe, a little easier to turn in some aspects. It'll be down probably 15 horse, 20 horse maybe, but um, no, it's not going to be that different. It'll be a little different. I think it's going to give it to the guys that are smooth. And I think it's also going to be a spot where there's a guy who thinks they're just a little bit lighter, like almost like 15 stroke. You can just kind of hold it wick and bounce across the top of some of these things where I'm odd, but the tree up and spit you out. So I think there's going to be a time and place for both, but yeah. I think having that that sense of when to do it and when not to do it is, is really going to pay off and smart smart line choice is going to be probably even a little bit more crucial now yeah what are they going to what are they going to miss the most the open motors or the open suspension like uh, the really trick exotic suspensions um you know probably the motors <laughs> you know if it sounds better than a high compression twin pipes crisp cool night you know it's minus five or something I think the motor would be the thing it's actually cool it's really fun but we still got I mean you should see the shocks that came on these sleds here phenomenal phenomenal like what I used to get for prototype stuff so it's awesome these things are dialed I literally just put springs in my snowmobile and went out and rode it today and, and it was awesome worked really good so they, they've done a lot a lot of work with these things so out of the box they've got a good unit yeah all of them um, well, I, I thought that was a great question, suspension versus motor. So, um, what do you what are your thoughts on the new Polaris that you're riding uh, compared to what you uh, you uh, got to ride a few times this year? Big improvements or or pretty well the same sled? Seems familiar. Yeah, super familiar. I mean, they made some spindle changes, but kind of touching on what we were doing. I was doing that when we were running probe and stuff anyway, so it's not overly new to me. Um, so, yeah, they went to some of them taller spindles like what I had a couple of years ago, and they were maybe running last year. So that's cool, but overall, the players is a solid platform, and the reason that it's worked for the last 12 years was some slight changes. Some question if it was too long ago to change it. Anyway, I think the thing's on point and really, really good. I think the other manufacturers are right there, too. I think it's uh, that cat is really good. It's, for some reason, I feel like it's going to be strong. So we'll see. But, man, I'm, I'm stoked on the Polaris. Really good. Yeah. So um, who have you... Uh, who have you seen in your uh, your for your races this weekend? Who's jumped up to the masters class uh, that wasn't there last year? I know I don't know the answer to that. I try not to look at the starting lineup, even though I'm super casual about racing these days. That's to get competitive when you get to the starting line. So I uh, yeah, I don't even know. I have heard I, I don't actually have an answer. Yeah, I'm sure Bob will be there. I'm sure LePage will be around. I know Ross Martin's not coming. I was talking with him a couple weeks ago. Um, he's uh, he's definitely just not racing this year at all. He might come back. And, who knows? I was asking Junior about that the other day if he'd come back and do Pro Plus 30. Maybe, but I think for now he won't. Um, yeah, it's tough to say. I don't, I don't really know. I guess we'll find out here on Friday. Another thing that's uh, kind of different from the manufacturers this year, uh, Ian, is uh, the track lengths. Uh, some of the uh, uh, manufacturers have gone to different track lengths versus the other ones. What do, what do you like? What do you think is going to work the best? I mean, the, the Skidoo and the Arctic Cat and the Players, they all have different track lengths. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I don't know. I think it's a preference thing. And 
the other cat, the way it loops up around it, footprint is not much bigger, you know, uh, but it's still a lot of track on the ground. They were able to raise spindles up, which took a little bit of their footprint, but they spear better. The other cat, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they've all just got their specialty. None of them look crazy long anymore. I'm sure if you put a 121 out there, it would look like a kid's toy now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they seem to have that, that Articat dialed with that long track. I thought it would just push and push and push and not turn, but Dylan Dylan is overly impressed with how well it's turning right now. So who knows? Really? I think they're all good. I think I think the more track that you can get on the ground for the start is a benefit. There's no question there, but will it work everywhere else on the track? A lot of them ran that length last year and had no problems with it. actually preferred it over the 129, so... Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Kind of sounds like you like the Articat there, uh, Ian. <laughs> well, I think I think it. I think because they kind of stepped up and went with the with the fuel injection stuff. Like I, yep. yeah, I don't know why. I got feeling I just kind of. I think they're going to do their job this year. Articat's such a race bred company, and I'm not saying anyone else isn't. But obviously, I'm players, and I could have went and bought an Articat if I wanted to. But I'm still riding a player. I truly believe in them. But yeah, I mean, I've rode scooters forever. I think yeah, but Dylan, uh, Dylan's got this cat. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but I think they've done their homework, and I think it'll be a good fun. All right, well, that's great. I think we can. I think we can wrap it up. Uh, let's uh, let, let's hear from your uh, your sponsors this year for uh, uh, for this weekend, and also. Uh, uh, who's all uh, helping you out with the uh, Kane's Quest uh, program? Yeah, for the weekend, I'm, you know, there's some classes I'm going to do. It's definitely on a player. It's with Rockstar and OTSFS. Uh, I got Wayne involved in helping me like we always have been. Paul Racing's accommodating me this weekend and, and maybe one more. So I want to thank them just for the hospitality. But, yeah, my favorite this year is, is this whole Yamaha thing with, with Kane's Quest. And, and I got a Yamaha and I'm support directly with them. So pretty excited about that. And uh, Rockstar, I believe, is going to be on board and OTSFS again. I'm keeping the same guys. And, um, Yamaha is really stepping up on this one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm kind of getting the cake and eat it, too. I get to raise my players with them, my Yamaha. So I'm, I'm kind of spoiled this year. But they were good, and I put them on the same page with it. Uh, looking forward to it. Really, really excited. The Yamaha is a new piece for me to be riding and a new chapter to go and race again in this endurance kind of atmosphere. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Hal, you got a final question for uh, Ian? Well, I guess, uh, you know, somebody with a career like yours, if you could cap it off with uh, with the Kings Quest uh, win, that would, uh, that would be something else. And it'd be great for Yamaha, too, to keep them... Uh, you know, get them a little more profile in the sport and uh, and some notoriety. Uh, again, they, they've. I remember back in the days of the Harakana race, they were always big in that too. So uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be, uh, it'd be it'd be really good to see uh, you know a couple of young guys from snowcross jump over to uh, the cross country. And then if you if you did good in Harakana, who knows? Maybe uh, you might want to try the uh, Iron Dog. It'd be nice to see a Canadian win that. Yeah, yeah, you're darn right. It would be a lot of fun. So we'll, uh, yeah, one step at a time, I guess. First things first is Kane's Quest, and I got uh, we definitely got a challenge ahead of us. By no means am I underestimating it, but being a racer, you always want to go there to win. You know, go there to get second. So uh, you know, we want to go finish the race and finish strong. So we'll see what happens. We're going to do the best to uh, be as prepared as possible. And I guess we'll find out in March what'll happen. Yeah, well, that sounds great, Ian. I really appreciate uh, you coming to talk to us, and uh, good luck this weekend. And uh, I'm, I'm going to try to keep in touch with you uh, about this uh, Kane's Quest program, and uh, maybe get updates along the way, and uh, you know uh, what's what's happening with the program, and uh, and keep people uh, in touch with uh, what's going on with that program. But uh, best of luck this weekend. Um, 
you know, go, go beat those old guys. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. It was a great chat with you. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Talk to you later. See you guys. Yep.